everything. Good morning. We welcome you to the message this morning. I'm going to speak on God, the divine orchestrator. Look at your neighbor and say, God is the divine orchestrator. You don't have to repeat this, but he can turn adversity into ministry. He can turn pain into healing, and he can turn trouble into hope. Hosea 2 and 15 is one of the scriptures I'm using. And the valley of Achor will be turned to be a door of hope. And she, which is speaking about Israel, shall sing there as in the days of her youth, as in the day when she came up from the land of Egypt. And also reading from Isaiah 40 and 4, which you'll understand. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Can I get an amen? Make straight in the desert of people's lives a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up and every mountain and hill shall be made low and the rough ground shall be made level. The rugged places a plain and the glory of the Lord. Someone say the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all the people will see it. I've got good news for you this morning. The glory of the Lord is going to be revealed in the place you once had pain, where you once had adversity, where you once went through trouble. God is going to reveal his glory to others through your story, through your life, through your experience. And for that, I think we need to give him a big shout of praise this morning. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we welcome your Holy Spirit. You are already here, sir. Speak to my brothers and sisters what you want to speak. Let me wash their feet, Lord. I didn't come here to be a wonder. I came here to obey you. So let me bring to them what you have called me to do. This is your servant, Lord, reporting for duty. Come, Holy Spirit. Come and do what only you can do deep into the hearts and minds of God's children in this room. Let no one leave this place not changed and not experiencing your presence. In Christ's name, and everyone said, amen. God speaks about the Valley of Achor, which had been the last place and was found in the book of Joshua, but in the book of Hosea, God says, I'm going to make valley a door of hope. Everyone say a door of hope. And he said, in fact, a new song is going to arise from that place. Of all the places Israel could have thought and we could think that a new place would come, we wouldn't think it would be Achor, the place of trouble, adversity, where unfortunate events happen. The Achor, the valley, had been a series of unfortunate events. But I know this morning that God, the divine orchestrator, will do exactly that. You will learn to sing again, to hope again, to try again, to believe again, and to stand again again because he is the divine orchestrator and he is faithful someone give him a big shout of praise this morning no one rolls out the red carpet for adversity and the way they say roll out the red carpet in middle eastern times when a dignitary would come the roads were uneven so they would say we'll roll out the red carpet and make it even for them to come no one rolls out the red carpet and says i hope i have some trouble this week i hope i have a trial this week i hope i have overwhelming responsibility this week but often our greatest gifts and passions are the very product of the things 
things we went through. Can I get an amen? Can I get an amen? You see, the divine orchestrator says in Deuteronomy 31 and 8, the Lord is the one who goes ahead of you. He will be with you. He will never fail you or forsake you. Someone say amen. In Psalms 139, he says, I go before you and my hand of blessing is on your head. In Isaiah 12, he says, I will be your rear guard and I will go before you. If anyone is excited that God can orchestrate people, places, and things, give him a shout of hallelujah. God is famous for caring and preparing us for future great things. You see, he calms the seas we think will take us out. He's one step ahead of us. No matter what the journey holds, he is. God, the divine orchestrator, let's start there before we get into the valley of trouble and talk about him redeeming your situations. Let's look at the divine orchestrator and what he is able to do. Now, I am a person of lists. I am a person of plans. I have 27 folders on my desk right now regarding Church of the Harvest and what's going on and what's going to go on next year. I've always been the visionary. Pastor Hank kind of tagged me as that about 1999, and I've always loved doing it. But I want to tell you something. I've learned my plans are so small compared to his. I've learned that my detailed list of how everything's going to go is so small compared to what he can do. You see, you make a plan, God says, I'll do exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask or think or hope. Can you say amen? And every Saturday and Friday and Thursday and Sunday, I say to the Lord repeatedly, I like what you give me for your people better than what I come up with. So here it is. Pull out what you don't want and give me because I have found in my life the moments that were glorious the moments that were fabulous or is when God divinely orchestrated a miracle a next step in the way I could have never imagined has anybody in the house this morning experienced that give him a big shout of praise in this house God the divine orchestrator so let's just track with him for a moment shall we Abraham could have landed somewhere besides right on top of the garden of Eden that would become Israel he could have taken one wrong turn but he didn't God orchestrated Jacob could have left on his journey a minute late or a minute ahead of time and he wouldn't have landed in Bethel at nighttime, where he would make a rock his pillow and he would see a ladder of angels coming up and down and wrestle with God Moses when he was put in that basket one wind in the Nile could have floated baby Moses deep into the Nile and he could have been buried one part of the wind but I believe the Lord the divine orchestrator who you can trust with your life said to the wind blow him right toward Pharaoh's daughter maybe he got a crocodile to do what he couldn't do and came underneath that basket and just carried him God can use anything he created to orchestrate the future desires of your heart he is just that good someone give him a shout of praise Joseph could have been when he was sold to the Ishmaelites they could have taken him to any country Leela except Egypt and he would have never saved the world I'm telling you Elijah God calls the ravens the dirty birds of the Old Testament that's what they were called he called the dirty birds to carry food in his mouth their mouth and give it to Elijah I'm going to tell you God can use anything in the world to bring you provision and to bring you miracles and to bring your children home can someone say hallelujah 
Daniel was taken captive as a royal. He could have been left in Israel, but God pushed him into the chain gang of slaves so he would get to Babylon because this man, Daniel, God orchestrated as the one who would bring kingdoms and kings to their knees by his strong stance in the almighty God. This is God who is orchestrating your life. Do you trust him today? Say amen. And Caesar Augustus, well, not a good man at all. He decided the world would be taxed at just the right point to force Joseph and Mary into Bethlehem to pay their taxes so Jesus would be born on the night he was to be born in the place he was to be born. I'm not saying Uncle Sam and you paying his taxes is going to get you anywhere, but I know God can use anything. Can you say amen? And God kept John the Baptist alive and put him on Patmos after he'd been boiled in oil so he would get a revelation that we call the book of Revelation as he was exiled on Patmos. God can still give you the revelation that you need. He is the divine orchestrator. He's keeping Israel alive as uh, Hamas is throwing their rockets today. He's got the ships of the United States circling Israel he's got other allies coming in with bombs because he who keeps Israel neither slumbers nor does he sleep someone give him praise today and the same God who keeps Israel alive is keeping the church of Jesus Christ alive until the final moment no power on hell nothing beneath or above no scheme of man can take us from in Christ the solid rock we stand someone give him a shout of praise so you, I'm going to calm down now. Hey, I did an Indian war dance over here this morning. You think I'd been exhausted, but I'm just energized. You don't have to fear about God's plans for you. You don't have to be discouraged that you're not going to arrive at the right place at the right time. Because God is a divine orchestrator. And he says in Hosea in the text to Israel, and he says to you and I, and she will sing. She will sing as she sang in the days of her youth. You see, in the time of trouble, in the time that things weren't looking right, God reminds them, remember how you praised me when I crossed the Red Sea with you? Remember how you said hallelujah? Does anybody remember the time he saved you does anybody have a praise for the one who has kept you to this day does anybody remember your last hallelujah do you remember the last time you saw God do what only he could do and you picked up your mouth of praise and you exalted him if you remember that and this is not in the context of my text but if you remember that will you lift up an ovation of praise to the great I am who does all things well hallelujah it said Israel came out of Egypt with a mighty hand and they were so excited crossing the Red Sea that, um, please don't bring your tambourines to church, okay? Um, they were crossing, well, bring it if you want to, I don't care. Um, they're crossing the Red Sea and Miriam picked up her tambourine and she began to sing the song that Moses sang. The Lord has triumphed gloriously. The horse and rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength. The Lord is my strong song. The Lord is my salvation. God takes a picture of their past as he does with you and I right now and says, you're going to sing that way again. You're going to praise that way again. 
again. You're going to rejoice that way again. You're going to feel my presence because I feel some in this room and some listening by podcast are saying, will I ever sing like that again? Will I ever feel strong like I did again? Will I ever sense a victory like I once did again? And some in this room are saying, will I ever feel God like I once felt him again? Will I ever feel the passion that comes from seeing God do the inconceivable? You see, achor means trouble, but it also means in the Hebrew, a muddy place. Sometimes our achors are like quicksand, our places of adversity, of trouble that we're pressed through. And it feels like they're pulling us under into the mud of what is going on. Sometimes our acorn feels like, Pastor Todd, dark, cloudy days that we can't shake off the things that we're going through. Sometimes our acorn feels like the fog, and I can't find my bearings in the fog. Anybody ever been there? I remember in California, the Bateras and others, Christiane would identify, we were traveling up to the northern part of the state where my daddy was preaching. I was only 16 and he let me do the night drive. I guess that's why I love to train people. My daddy was always putting us up behind the wheel. And we're driving, and the fog rolls into those mountains in about mid-California above Bakersfield going up towards San Francisco and Sacramento. And the more I drove through the mountains, the deeper the fog. And my daddy was asleep, of all things, while my mother in the back was probably praying in the Holy Ghost. And my children and my daddy and my brother and sister, I mean, and my daddy fell asleep, and all of a sudden the fog just got deeper and deeper and deeper and all of a sudden I just pulled off the side of the road in the middle of the mountain daddy said what are you doing baby I said daddy I can't drive anymore this fog I can't see anything I can't see one thing in front of me he said that's okay baby that's okay get out let me get behind the wheel I've driven in this kind of fog before I know how to get our family through this kind of dense fog you've not learned but someday you will you may feel this morning that the fog of doubt the fog of weight on you the fog of life's responsibilities is almost overwhelming you to a place that you can't see but you have a heavenly father who has navigated these fog moments you have a heavenly father who says you just pull over you let me drive you through this moment I am that I am and I've never encountered whether I cannot navigate somebody give him a shout of praise God, the divine orchestrator, he says again, you will sing again. You will sing again. You will worship again. You will hope again. You will believe again. Someone in this room needs to know you're going to find value in who you are again. You will. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. You will feel good about yourself again. God is opening up a door of hope in the valley of in the valley of trouble, in the valley of the valley of responsibility, in the valley of things that we are going through. This is the story that God is telling about his people, but this is the story you're going to tell with your life. You're going to look back at this present moment and you're going to see God's hand was on it. You are going to look back at the battles you've gone through and you're going to testify. You're going to tell of the times in your life when your portion was not enough, but God did exceedingly abundantly above all that you could have asked. Can I get an amen? You're going to testify to the seas that you've crossed with him. You're going to 
going to testify of the waters he parted for you. You're going to testify of the ways you've walked on. You're going to testify to the moments in your life that the glory of the Lord was revealed through the things that you've gone through and brought healing to somebody else. You're going to see that somebody give him a praise in this house this morning. Look at your neighbor and say, God is divine orchestrator. To someone in this room, as I follow you, sir, right in the middle of your pain, right in the middle of your hurt, right in the middle of your despair, right in the middle of your struggle, he's speaking to you. Right in the middle of the worst time of your life, he says, or the best time, I am your door of hope. You know, often as a child, we had a picture hanging in our house, Pastor Todd, of Jesus knocking on the door. Does anyone remember that? It was that Jesus of Nazareth look that you saw. If you've ever seen it, you have to look it up. And we often think that's for sinners. That's for you and me. He's knocking on the door and saying, if you'll open up, what he says is, I'll come in and I'll, I'll dine with you. What do you do when you dine with someone? You talk with them. They talk with you. Like we talked about, yes, last week, there's rooms in our lives we don't want him to come into. And even my own messages slay me, slayed me this whole week. It was an emotional week for me this week. I'm feeling very powerful, or empowered today. Not powerful, but empowered. But Jesus always says, let me in, Rhonda. He says, do you let me in? I'm knocking on the door of your heart. Let me in and sit with you. Let me dine with you. Let me help you through the things that you're going through. You've tried this, and you've tried that, and you've tried this. I'm not naming things, but you know. You've tried this, but none of these things are working. And he's saying, let me come and talk with you. I'm going to tell you, don't let those moments define you. Those emotions define you. But I challenge you to say, no matter what you're feeling, no matter what you're going through, Jesus, I know who you are in me. Just channel your inner rapper. Jesus, I know who you are in me. You are my Savior. You are my Deliverer. You are my healer. You are my rock. You are my redeemer. You are my going in and my coming out, Jesus. You are my purpose. You are my passion. You are my deliverer. Try it this week. God takes any valley of acorn and he mixes it in the middle of adversity. Adversity means unfortunate events, trouble, responsibilities, challenges that we all go through in life. You have to fight the lies of the enemy because we know God is faithful, but the enemy will custom make accusations as he did for Israel that you're not good enough. It's never going to work out. You didn't read the fine print, did you? Is what the enemy will say. You're an exemption. You're an exception, excuse me, to the rule. You ever go buy something, they say, did you not read the fine print? The enemy say, you obviously didn't read the fine print. You're an exception to this rule that God's going to bless everyone. You're an exception that God's going to use you. He's going to use everyone else but you because he knows you and I know you. And you see, the enemy will speak in a voice that you'll think is your own voice. And he'll manipulate things to make his lies look like truth so that you focus on the adversity instead focusing on the God that who can bring 
valley of trouble into a door of hope. Someone say amen. You see, he will list the enemy. He will list all kind of names and things that you're going to be listed in. You're going to be listed in the hall of failure, the hall of disappointment, the hall of it didn't happen for them. No, no, no. It happened for everyone else. If you're a preacher, it'll be preachers. If you're a servant, it'll be a servant. We're all servants. Whatever that is at your job, he'll, he'll whisper that in your family. You're going to be in the hall of disappointment. But the Spirit of the Lord will continually walk you through the hall of those that are listed in Hebrews 11 who had their weaknesses turned into strength. You see, this is what Jesus does and what he did for Israel. He redeemed and bought back their trouble. Jesus comes to redeem. That means that Jesus goes to the pain in your life and says, I'm buying back that that you caused my son. I'll take it back here. He goes to the source of your regret and says, I'm buying you back. Redeem means to buy back, to pay off, to rescue. He goes to your heartbreak and says, give it back. You don't own her. You don't own her. I'm buying it back from you. He goes to sickness and disease, and he says, you don't own my people. I'm buying you back. And it's not with silver or gold that the Lord redeems us, but the book of Peter says he redeems us with the incorruptible, imperishable blood of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Someone give him a shout of praise. He redeems. He goes to the source. Grief, often this two-year journey, I can hear Jesus in my spirit saying, grief, you don't own her. You don't own her. I own her. I use my example because I'm honest. I don't want to be a part of a church that's not honest. I don't want to come to a church with facades. I don't want to come to a place that people wear masks. If you're looking for that church, I'm not going to say leave. <laughs> Pastor Hank, you say that in the early days, a lot of people would exit. I'm not going to say that. I, I'm going to say, you stay until we can talk you off the wall. Come on, give, give each other a hand. Come on. But you see, the Lord goes to that failure and says, he doesn't belong to you. I'm buying you back. You see, what you've been through qualifies you. It doesn't disqualify you. Nothing is wasted. No time is lost. He is a redeemer, a restorer, and a reconciler. And also, he's a recycler. Did you know that? When you put out your recycle bucket, they're just imitating God. Recycle means to take something people thought was trash and advance it for something else. God takes what you and I have gone through and he recycles it to become a message to advance the gospel. That painful divorce, let him have it. He's going to recycle it. The loss of someone in your life, let him take it. He will recycle it. That addiction that once had you, let him take it. He will recycle it. That sickness you went through, let him take it, and he will redeem it. He will not only buy it back, but he will make it of something of use. You see, adversity turns to ministry when we let God recycle our pain, but if, and it becomes for someone's gain. Say, my pain for someone's gain. But if I hold on to my pain, if I hold on to it, and that's all I want to do is talk about my pain. And I just want to live about my pain. I've been a little shrine of candles and pictures of my pain. Yeah. Oh, we don't do it literally. We do it in our mind. I make a holy shroud out of my pain. Then it becomes and stays my pain. That's where it'll stay. But when I give it to King Jesus, 
when he takes it and washes it and recycles it, it becomes for someone else's gain. So that in that place, we say, he is my God. You see, your ability to help others has been validated by what you've gone through. You're validated and qualified by what you've gone through. God says we comfort others with that. Here's the point. When Benaniah, when King David wanted to hire someone to oversee all of his palace guard, I'm sure there was resumes of, I've been with Brink's palace guards. I served 17,000 years with blah, 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 blah. But then there was this one guy whose resume came across. I fought a lion on a snowy day. And David said, I'll take him. You see, what you've been through has built you to become someone. You think it disqualifies you. You think it doesn't validate you. The more that you accept it and give it to the Lord and ask him to redeem it, the more you're going to find that God can do so much more for what you've been through. Give him a hand clap of praise if you can. You see, Psalms 4 and 1 says, through pressure, everyone say, through pressure, you have enlarged me. We don't like to be enlarged. We want to be enlarged, but we don't like the pressure. Can I get an amen? But through pressure, you have enlarged me. Enlargement happens on the inside before people can see it on the outside. No one knows the things you're going through, but really you and the Lord. But he enlarges you on the inside, and eventually they see it on the outside. What we find is when we are put under pressure, the obstacles are show us that we can do more than we thought we could do. I was out on the Greenway in 2020, and um, I was walking. I'm a race walker. I don't run. And I was walking, and the only people that ever passed me out there, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to say that because then somebody's going to pass me, is the runners. And there's runners are always shup, 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 coming by, you know, good morning, good morning. But I just keep walking really fast, and they always say, man, you walk fast. We had to run a long time to catch up with you. I was like, well, thank you, thank you so much, but I can't run. One day a huge storm came. I mean, a gully washer. And I was all the way to Tinsley where the um, overpass is there. I say, I don't know how to say it, the shelter where you can go eat right there where the dog parks are. I was already there, and it was just tremendous. I went underneath that. Of course, the minute my phone rang, and it was Pastor Hank. He's like, where are you? Where are you? That's what he always said to me. Where are you? Where are you? And I said, I'm, I'm on the greenway. He goes, oh, my God, it's storming. It's raining. I said, I know, I know. And I said, I think I'll wait right here. But I waited there, and it kept going, and it kept going. Then all of a sudden I thought, you know what? I'm already soaked. My shoes are in two inches of water. My hair's a nappy mess. We're going to show you a picture in a minute, much to my chagrin. Um, and, and I'm already a mess. And uh, you know what? I want, to, I, I want to get to the next place I'm going. So I just thought, I'm going to run. I'm going to run. So I began to run with my tennis shoes so full of water. It was pouring rain, no umbrella, baseball cap. And you know what I did? As I ran... I outran the runners. I was passing the runners. I, mean, I was like, whoa, I'm under some kind of supernatural anointing here. I just kept going and I just kept running, running. But what I learned is, and this is what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to you and I today, sometimes we want to stay under shelter till the storm passes. But God says, keep moving. Sometimes we want to stay underneath or at a place and say, when this works out or that works out, I'll do what God has called me to do. And we keep waiting. I mean, people were hiding underneath bridges, trees, each to their own reason. But the more I ran, I felt like a scene out of chariots of fire, Renee. I mean, I was just going and passing everybody. And when I got in the car, I'm a speaker, so it just hit me. I should do a Facebook Live like the way I look right now. And I should just tell the world what the Lord just told me. And I taught on that verse just spontaneously and here's a picture of that Facebook live there I am drenched with water although you see people's hearts everything because they were loving it and all that but what I learned that day 
when you get put under pressure, you'll find you can do more than you thought you could do. You think it's going to kill you, but it's going to heal you. You think it's going to put you under, but it's going to raise you up to do more than you ever thought you could do. I don't like to be under pressure. I just want to eat bonbons and watch Netflix on 24-7, Lord, and do it when you can. Be blessed. Rest is good. But if you want to grow, you better welcome the pressure to see what God can do through you to see how you can push beyond your abilities, beyond your doubts, beyond your weakness, beyond your fear. Do I have a praise in the house for the Lord who does this for us? Look at your neighbor and say, she looked horrible, but we still love her. You see, here's sweeties. You see, you cripple a woman as a teenager who made a dive off a high cliff and became instantly paralyzed. And you get Joni Erickson Tata who speaks all over the world and cannot move anything but her mouth. She paints with a paintbrush in her mouth. She speaks the word of the Lord. What's my excuse? What's yours? You bury a man in the Snow Valley, and what comes out is General George Washington, who lost many battles, but he won that Revolutionary War. You make a child deaf at eight years old and you are born deaf and you get Ludwig van Beethoven who wrote some of the most powerful things it's mind boggling I was checking Alexa and Siri this morning that I was right and yes he was born deaf and he's one of the amazing composers but my adversity and my limitations and my weaknesses I give to God as a big list of why I can't do this and why I can't do that will you think about Beethoven go listen to one of the symphonies that man wrote it completely deaf Someone give Jesus praise this morning. Come on. Adversity gives us opportunity. That loss, that grief, uh, that addiction, that fear, that wreck that you went through. It's how we react when we're in the middle of it. Because we can either respond to the Lord or we can run. And all runners aren't seen physically. I was thinking about this. I can just hear the angels saying to God, we got another runner down there. And God's like, it's okay. They can't outrun me. I got reckless love. Just remember, I just think about when Jonah was running and the angel said, Jehovah, the man that's going to save Nineveh is boarding a ship the other way. We got a runner. God said, that's okay. And the angel said, what you got? He said, oh, well. I got a well. Okay. God, the divine orchestrator, had that well throw Jonah up on the very beach of the place he was running from. You don't think God can orchestrate your tomorrow? You don't think God can help you find a spouse, those of you that are looking for one? You don't think God can orchestrate a better job? You don't think he can take what is trouble and turn into a door of hope? I can just hear one of the angels said, we got another runner. We got a runner. Moses is going far to Midian. He's going far to Midian. Oh, no, what are we going to do? He's supposed to deliver your people. And God said, that's okay. I got something. And he goes, what you got? I've got a burning bush. And I've got my voice. And I know how to pursue those that run from me. But here's the thing. Most of us don't physically run. We run in our mind. That's the last time I'll ever give Betty a word at work. Hell freezes over again. That's what happened. I'm never going to get up there and sing again. Oh, I resigned from being the worship leader of this church. We're doing a merge in January with some of our old teams. It's going to be fabulous on Sunday night but before we leave this building. But at any rate, I resigned so many times. So many times I've said, that's the last time I'll ever speak in front of people. It's God lives as my Savior. 
just running in our mind. Pastor Hank and I love this show. I'm not recommending you watch. It's called In Plain Sight, and it's a, where they put people in a witness protection program. But the one thing that we never could get over, we love it because it's got a lot of mystery and intrigue to it. We just love shows like that. And one thing that we, we never could get past was they would give these people new names and new city, and they'd still connect to the old. They'd still blow up in the, the, the crew, the bad guys. I can't think of their name. The gangs, the, the organized crime would come after them. You see, we can run in our mind and say, I'm done. I'm just going to have this type of life. I'm running from God. I'm running from the call. I'm running from letting my adversity be used by the Lord. Or we can say this adversity is the seedbed of future ministry. And we can believe that through perseverance, if we don't quit, we will see the will of God. Can you give him a hand clap of praise in this house? Listen to this. When you're faced with adversity and the trouble of Acor, I want to tell you something. Dr. Seuss's book was re rejected by 27 publishers, and his book went on to sell to this day 8 million. Henry Ford's first two companies failed. Michelangelo painted the Sistine Chapel in every, for four years on his back, and when you read his journal, it sounds like a depressed maniac. You can go online and read it. He said, I'm depressed, I'm discouraged, I'm dejected, and I know one thing. I am no painter. Um, when you look at the Sistine Chapel, you know he was a painter. So when that voice whispers to you, whatever you're called to do, you are no this, you are no that, you say, I'm going to persevere to see the will of God done in my life. Somebody praise him this morning. Somebody praise him. Michael Jordan was cut from his high school ball team. It's just crazy. And Frank Woolworth, how many remember Woolworth's? Six of us dinosaurs, hallelujah. Six dinosaurs live upon this earth. His first five failed. If it wouldn't been for Woolworths, I couldn't have gone down to the village mall. Chuck, you'll get this, probably. Go down to Woolworth Mall. My mama give me $5. My best friend, Rhonda Vest McClure now. We'd go down to Woolworths. We'd buy our whole family Christmas presents. We'd get our picture in the photo booth at the front of Woolworths together. The little stripper. Then we'd go eat at the diner. All for $5. Those were the days, people. These are people that persevered. David Herman was a blind man, came blind at eight, but he wanted to be a medical doctor, and Temple University would not let him go forth. And he petitioned people to read 25 books, and he became the first blind medical doctor. You can turn adversity into glory. You can turn pain into healing. Someone say amen. A, a junior naval officer named Admiral, I won't give his name in a minute. He wanted to be an admiral, but he had cancer. He was given two weeks to live. He fought four bouts of cancer. He finally got into remission. He tried to get back in. The Navy said, we're not taking you back in. They said he'd take an act of Congress. He went to President Harry Truman, and he became his worst nightmare and said, reinstate me to the Navy. And Erwin W. Rosenberg became the Admiral of the U.S. 7th Fleet with 7,000 ships. I'm going to tell you, if you don't give up, if you don't give in, if you make your stand, and you persevere, you will see the goodness of God. Someone give him a hand clap of praise. Musicians, if you would help me, please. Amen. A basketball coach was trying, I've got to make some turn into ministry here, but a basketball coach was trying to inspire his high school football team. I always loved their little speeches. And he said, did Michael Jordan ever quit? No. Did the Wright brothers ever quit? No. Did Tiger Woods ever quit? No. I mean, they're getting pumped up. Did Elmer McAllister ever quit? And the room just went really quiet. And one young boy said, well, we never heard of him. He goes, exactly, because he quit. 
God, the divine orchestrator, is speaking to you and I and to this church of keep persevering. Let the divine orchestrator turn adversity into ministry. Think about the people in the Bible. Abraham overcame the lies, including his own. Joseph overcame the pit and the betrayal of his brothers. Joshua overcame the disobedience of the troops. And when his mentor died, he thought he wanted to give up, but he was next in line to God's glory. Gideon overcame his insecurity. Samson overcame his pride. David overcame Saul's spear. Esther overcame the haters. You go, girl. Daniel overcame the lions. The Hebrew boys overcame the furnace. Job overcame the loss of everything. Peter overcame the cursing of his blessing. Paul overcame the shipwreck and the snake. And Jesus, the son of the mighty God overcame hell and death because Jesus overcomes everything. Can I get a praise for him in the house this morning? Someone let him hear it. You see, he's writing your story. I want to use this. We're trying to use all the props before we leave this house. One Sunday, I'm going to have a circus up here of 7,000 props, and you'll have to figure out what I'm going to preach about. God was writing the story of Israel. It's amazing that he didn't leave them in that passage. I'm so glad that God didn't leave me in the seasons of my life when I messed my life up. I love it that he rewrote it because Achor, valley of trouble, muddy place in Hebrew. There's no word for coincidence in Hebrew. God does what he does. But God said, I'm going to rewrite in the valley of Achor. The valley of trouble shall become a door of hope. Furthermore, because God likes to say furthermore. Furthermore, she will sing there. Furthermore, Christy will sing there in the place once that caused her pain. Furthermore, Susan will sing there where once she had pain. Furthermore, Robert will praise where once there was pain. Furthermore, Matt will praise where once there was pain. You see, that is the story we are telling with our life. That is the healing that we're bringing to people from our own experience. You know, um, one extra minute for something, and I've got a place to end here. But when our story was on the front of Charisma Magazine in 1998, there were men all over the United States that flew in here to just to have one hour with Pastor Hank Davis because they just wanted to hear, how does a man hold on like that? How does that happen? There was, uh, we were inundated with people. If I'm ever telling my testimony, which I've not done here in the last two years, if I'm ever telling my testimony, the line is to the door. People just, will you pray for me? You see, that's not about me. That's about you and what you've gone through. That's about your story what you overcame. And I've walked some people through some pretty big things and at times they'll say, Pastor, I can't tell the thing I came through. And I said, that's okay. But you can tell the antidote to getting out of it. You can tell the healing. You see this morning, we have people in this room that have overcame brokenness, overcame unbelief, unforgiveness, negativity, toxic relationships. You overcame the enemy, you overcame sin, you overcame others. Above all, you overcame yourself. And how did you come out of that season? You've got a message to tell other people. This message is for you and the people you will encounter this week. 
You've got a message to overcome obstacles. It wasn't by your personality that you overcame. It wasn't by biological DNA that you overcame. It wasn't by your tweet or your uh, message on Instagram. It wasn't by your selfie. It wasn't by any of these things. You overcame by the strength of the hand of the Lord, by the word of your testimony and the blood of the Lamb. And you've got a story to tell that God the divine orchestrator moved your events. This is the word of the Lord to you. Make way for the glory of the Lord to be revealed. Make way. Don't be discouraged. Don't be dismayed. Don't be deceived. The quickest way out is straight through and God will turn your adversity into victory and into glory. Someone just lift a hand and thank Him for just a moment or praise Him either way. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He redeems it. I'm going to redeem your valley of trouble, Israel. And Israel is just the firstborn child. We know how he'll treat us by what he first did for Israel. I'll redeem this place. This place when you said to the Lord, how can any good come out of that? How can anything hopeful come out of that? How can anything precious and beautiful come out of that season? How can any lovely thing come out of what I went through? And God says, because I'm going to redeem it out of the hand of the enemy. I'm buying it back. And then I'm going to recycle it by my grace. And once I touch it with my grace, it's no longer your pain. It's no longer your frustration. It's no longer your misery. Then I take that to be someone's healing. And hence the verse that we opened up with before I finish something I have to say. He says, make way the pathway for the Lord. Roll out the red carpet for the Lord to come into people's lives. I've encountered a lot of people this week that are not in church, I mean, in businesses and places I've had to be because of some situations. And I will tell you, they're hurting and they're desperate. They didn't need me to run in there and scream you're all going to hell you crazy people but what they needed was just a flesh and blood person to say God helped me overcome this I'm walking through this and sometimes I cry about it but I feel his grace on it the world is looking for some people that will make the way for the glory of the Lord what is the glory of the Lord it is healing it is hope it is restoration it is if I went through this you can go through this if I survive this, you can survive this. You must make way for the glory of the Lord. Roll out the red carpet and begin to share with other people. God has restored my life. Give him one more praise in this house. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Here's what I want to say. I would have pulled Joseph out of his adversity, out of prison out of that pain and I would have cheated the nations of the one God who would use to deliver them from the famine. I would have pulled King David out, out of the adversity of Saul's spear, out of the caves the king, the one to be king had to hide in, out of the pain of how much David was rejected 
and I would have cheated Israel out of a God-hearted king. I present to you this morning, submit before I finish this reading, and this is one thing. The things that you've gone through will make you more tender. Don't ever lose that. The things that you've survived will make you more hopeful. The things that you've lived through. I've seen people live through horrible things and Christ redeemed them, and then the spirit of religion choked them out. Don't ever become that person. Let your brokenness keep you tender. Let the rejection keep you hopeful. Let the moments you cried on your face keep you looking for someone. Can I get an amen? I would have pulled Esther out of his, her adversity, out of being snatched from her family, out of being placed in a position she never asked for. And if I'd done so, I would have pulled her out of the path of a vicious foe named Haman. And I would have cheated people out of the woman of God that God would use to save their lives. I would have pulled Jesus, if I could have, out of his adversity, off of the cross, off of the road that led to his suffering and pain, off of the path that would expose his nakedness, off of the place of his beatings, his nails and his thorns. And I would have cheated the world out of one Savior, one Redeemer, one Lord and King, one Lamb of God who would take the sins of the world upon him and I would have messed up everything and I want to stop your adversity I want to pull you out of it but I would be cheating the world out of so much good because God knows the glory that's going to come from the pain that you've gone through he knows the beauty that he will grow he's watching over you he's keeping you even in the middle of this he's promising you that you can trust him even when it feels like more than you can bear can I get any man so instead of pulling you out brothers and sisters as your lead pastor today I'm lifting you up to King Jesus I'm kneeling before the Father and I'm asking Him to give you strength. I'm asking Him to give you hope. I'm asking Him to protect you and move you out of the adversity when the time is right. I'm asking Him to help you stay prayerful and discerning. I'm asking Him how best I can show His love for you and help you. And I'm believing He is going to use your life in such a powerful and beautiful way. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed in your life. Someone praise him in this house. And you would pull others out as well, but you can't stand with me all over this building. I have a little bit to say, and we're going to pray over you.